I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Stretch Marks with me, Caroline Foran, and me, Sinead Moore. We're back with our fifth episode. We are. Number five. We are beyond our month anniversary. This is special. We're like, it's this long haul commitment now. We're also halfway through our first season, which feels weird because it kind of feels like we just started, but this is halfway. But I feel like there was so much more to discuss and that's exciting because we're only getting started. I mean, there's an endless amount of topics that we need to delve into. There's so many different stretches and stretches within the stretches and stretches that change and evolve. Um, So we're just, we're barely scratching the surface. I kind of feel like we've covered big topics at a helicopter level, but like with each, within each of those topics we've done, there's like loads of little chapters. So for this episode, we are actually touching back on something that we started off with, which was around uh, postpartum anxiety, something that you spoke about in our very first episode, which was in a kind of a getting to know us episode, because it was something that you experienced very strongly. And it is something that I think I experienced like every day, like ongoing. It wasn't like a big episode. For me, it seems to be kind of an always on button. Uh, But we want to talk about it in this episode a little bit deeper. But we also, you were joined by an incredible guest this week on your podcast, Owning It, uh, somebody who we both massively admire. Oh, I was so excited. Um, Jessica, so we think it's Jessica Ehrlich. It's actually Jessica Ehrlich, but everyone says it wrong. She said, but I'm going to say it right out of respect for this. She's like, no, you can just say Ehrlich. It's fine. I'm like, that's your name. I'm going to say it right. So Jessica Ehrlich, all the way from New Zealand. She is an incredible poet. Her way with words and just articulating what so many of us feel and go through just resonated with me from the minute I found her I know the same for you and for countless other people I I, I doubt there's anyone listening who hasn't discovered mm-hmm. her already if you haven't what are you doing with your life go and follow her I sent her my books she sent me some of her books very kindly and we she's like my friend now basically <laughs> um thanks very much <laughs> one off my I'm like, you're like yeah I just I'm just sitting down now to record with Jessica I'm like that's fine that's grand yeah I'll, I'll, <laughs> So I, I know Jessica via you now, so that's okay. Yeah, so I wanted to have her on owning it uh, because I got the vibe from her that anxiety was very much a presence in her life. And we got talking about it and she said, actually, like my experience was really anchored around being like postnatally anxious. It wasn't really something she dealt with before. So I figured 
this would be relevant for our podcast as well. We haven't introduced a guest before. This is kind of one of our first guest episodes, I guess, because we're going to be hearing from a third person. But yeah, Jessica joined me and we got right down to business discussing her experience of postnatal anxiety. I think in our conversation, I touched on a bit of mine, but I didn't want to regale people again with, let me tell you about my anxiety, but we'll do a little bit of that here. Well, do. So tell us about your anxiety. So, I mean, I think the reason most people know you is probably because of your prenatal anxiety. Um, but do tell us, I suppose, how that changed at the moment of matrescence and birth and he arrived and how you changed. So, yeah, I guess anxiety has certainly since my mid 20s been a very like prominent feature in my life. And like you, you use the word episode uh, before and it's been like that for me like I think I think a lot of us have this general hum in the background of anxiety all the time in the life that we live the kind of fast-paced life and always on kind of life and um, but for me it really bubbled up to something that made me fall apart um like once or twice in my life before and then I had everything kind of on an even keel I was feeling well feeling good feeling very like I could manage it I understood it obviously I had made it my my life's work to understand it and help other people like normalize it and stuff um so I kind of thought I had it figured out and I thought that it couldn't sneak up on me it couldn't take me by surprise like I'm too aware like I wrote the book on it <laughs> literally you know I'm I'm sorted for whatever's coming down the road but as we've talked about before going into parenthood like I was so focused in the pregnancy on just getting to the end of pregnancy because I found it so tough. Um, and I felt actually, I didn't really feel anxious while I was pregnant because I was so focused on just trying to get through the day. And like, I was really proud of myself that I was going through morning sickness and I wasn't, you know, I got to the point where I was like, oh, here we go again, as opposed to like shaking like a leaf in a corner, which I would normally if I ever felt nauseous. So my, my anxiety was actually relatively okay uh, in pregnancy. And then even towards the end of it, when I knew the due date was coming, I relaxed even more. It was weird, this weird kind of, I don't know if that's common with people, but like maybe your body's preparing you for it, that it, it, it won't let you get into a state of extreme stress, like that, towards the finish line. I think there's a lot of really beautiful hormones flooding through. And I think it, like it depends, obviously, how your body interacts with those hormones. But definitely for me as well, I went into a complete like really not calm. I don't like I was I was definitely switched on for birth, but I was in a really like love bubble place. Yeah, it was just I remember just being like, this is my my friend. I went for brunch with her the day, my friend Joe, the day that I went into labor. And she just commented that day saying like, like Caroline, this is really freaking me out. Like I've never seen you so calm. And like, you're literally moments away from popping out this child. And I was like, yeah, just And in my naivety, I was like, well, just, you know, I've done it now. I've, I've done the pregnancy and he's going to be here and it's going to be just so amazing and lovely. And I'm going to just be in this love bubble. It's going to be the happiest time of my life. And then I had him and I had a very, uh, very okay birth. I mean, I'm sure we'll do an episode on actual birth experiences mm. and birth stories, but I guess there's a few things I, that are at play number one the hormone factory that we give birth to which is the placenta which I think we can tend to just think we're a bit weepy but you've actually just like ejected a mammoth factory of hormones from your body that you've been carrying around for nine months that's got to have some very like initial abrupt reaction in your body whether it's good or bad I think a lot of people experience like the baby blues and the feeling on day two or three of everything just being like whoa why do I feel so low that's usually what's going on there 
there was also COVID. So like, I think I underestimate how much of an impact that had, that I was my first time having a baby. And the minute, like, as I had him like quite late in the day, it was about half five. I think we had about an hour together. And then it was like, I just remember being like wheeled into an elevator with Kaylin and the door is closing on Barry. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> no like what what do you mean you're leaving me without him and like he was gone and I was like I don't have a fucking clue what I'm supposed to do with this child like I was I, I just remember that moment so viscerally being like the panic stations just turned on the next day because I can look back on photographs and videos now and I can see that like certainly for the first 24 hours yes I was like this is shit that Barry's not here but I was like the hormones were still really good and then it was the second night um when I kept being warned look second night usually doesn't go so great like they start to kind of realize they're out of the womb and, and all this stuff and I was like okay okay but I was glad that they told me and then I guess at that stage you're awake for a few days and you've been through significant physical effort giving birth or whatever whether you went to the c-section route and had surgery so you're tired and you're overwhelmed um for me being tired is always like another vulnerability factor that's going to play into more anxious feelings and anxious thoughts and by the third day of him being there it just all came crashing down on me and I felt so overwhelmed I felt so ill-equipped for the job I I just I remember being handed like all these leaflets and told all this information you know all the usual stuff like about their vitamin d and their vaccinations and this that and the other and like basically what you need to know in order to leave the hospital and I was literally like you have to wait till my husband comes like I can't take this information in and I was sobbing crying and I just felt so frightened that they were going to look at me and think Jesus Christ we can't send her home with that baby and I so needed someone to tell me it was okay now the, the, the midwives did say look it's really common if you're okay lots of people feel that way and um, so I thought it might just sort of settle down like I, said, I just like, just get me out of here I need to just get home and um, when I got home I actually felt worse then because I felt like maybe I prim- I only stayed two nights and then buried fucking Egypt didn't have any food in the house <laughs> like I still I actually had an argument with, with him this I'm, I'm sensing this is still a thing it is still a thing so he was like I didn't know you were coming home that day and I was like well you knew I was coming home Sunday in, in and around that day yeah. and so he had gone out to wet the baby's head the night before and brought loads of lads back to our house nice. and ended up having a bit of a hoolie nice. and like I ringing him the next morning been like I'm coming home today get your arse in here as soon as you can and like he's there with some of the lads still waking up in the house trying to get rid of them and be like oh fuck I better clean the house so in, in his defense this is the first time I've heard this yeah I was fuming actually I was too anxious to be fuming but I'm now retrospectively fuming about it you've um, never told me this story like, it was awful it was awful I feel, my I feel, I feel like I, I I need to have words with Barry I've been very nice to Barry up until this point how come this didn't come up in the relationship stretch I guess I felt like it was just day one that I didn't feel like we had been stretched it was, like I think like I am revisiting it now being like you dickhead um but I feel like Barry needs to go to a safe house currently. Well, Barry's gonna Barry's gonna be annoyed he's like you're still going on about that and he's like I'm sorry I'm really sorry and I'm like no. yeah there's now a gang of thousands of women also gonna hunt him down and then he was like I'm gonna have to go out to the shop right so I'm home with the baby and now I was told when you have an epidural it's very common to be very very sweaty after it was also incredibly hot in the hospital and an incredibly hot few days I was like an orca whale like I was you could have given a village enough liquid out of the sweat that I was pumping like it was so severe and that made so me so really, attractive it was really attractive like you've seen the photos I I just 
my body was just not feeling good at all and then Barry's like I'm gonna have to go out and I was like oh my god you can't leave me and I was just sitting there with this tiny little baby and I remember him going to the bathroom before he went and I was like oh this is what it's gonna be like when he's gone you know for like an hour or something and I completely panicked I had to call my neighbor across the road who I know who was literally an angel dressed in regular clothing that day who came across she said listen we're having a barbecue she brought over food for us she came up to me and I literally it was like my most vulnerable moment she sat with me on the bed when Barry went out and I was like I don't I don't feel good I'm I'm really overwhelmed I'm really scared and I don't know what's going on I've never felt more intensely vulnerable than I did in that moment and I was so frightened and so judgmental of myself for feeling that way and I was like this is not what you're supposed to be feeling this is not what anyone else is feeling so I figured it would settle down after a few days but I guess like the pumping sweat then was also at the same time when that evaporates you're freezing so I was shivering and I had the shakes and then I rang my the hospital again saying look like I I thought maybe there was something wrong you know and I know there wasn't anything wrong I had to go back in and get them to just check for an infection they said look we have to be careful so just come on in um everything was fine but it was just my body was just in a state of arousal and the stress was just fizzing out of my body um and I was again so frightened to feel that way I felt like already I'm a terrible mother already I failed already I'm not downstairs in a love bubble oh god it's just even hard to like relive it because it's just so far from where I feel now and it was so visceral it was about two or three weeks of really that intense horrible feeling in the morning what happens is we we naturally produce cortisol to wake us up and I know all this from my general kind of anxiety and understanding but because my body was in such a high alert and feeling so like oh my god you need to step into this role and you're not equipped for it I was producing plenty of stress hormones anyway so then you add that to what's already there in the morning and you have this like super turbocharged burst of anxiety so I was having upset stomachs all the time I couldn't I had no appetite I couldn't really eat so I wasn't getting to like refuel myself I certainly wasn't getting to sleep or rest and do the things that normally when you're anxious help kind of restore balance and bring down your stress response so it was kind of this perfect storm of of circumstantial situational anxiety being fed by the postpartum reality which means which is that you don't get to go off and stay in a hotel and heal yourself and get better you're thrown right into the deep end and then it was the anxiety about the anxiety as well which really got me and I went to my doctors and I said look I'm not feeling good and they were going to increase my medication for a while and I got that prescription and I remember feeling so like shameful leaving the doctors that day being you know because I just had this in my head of people saying to me all the time oh my god are you so happy is this the happiest time of your life and I was like mm-hmm. I was so frightened to say that it wasn't that I was really not enjoying it at that time and I even hate saying it now but I didn't I didn't increase any medication I didn't do anything I just said listen I'm gonna just give myself time give myself a few weeks try and tap into what I know helps me try and ask for help try and step away without feeling guilty just to try and get an hour of sleep and recharge I was talking to Layla Omara from Nua Nua online who really helped me just she she just let me have this like judgment-free hour-long phone call with her a couple of times where I was able to say exactly how I was feeling and she was just all but wrapping her arms around me down the phone and reassuring me that it was okay I did some things like yoga nidra meditations where I would come up to bed early and let Barry obviously stay downstairs with the baby. And I would just try and do this like 20 minute 
guided meditation, just trying to help my body downregulate that stress response. And all of that really helped and time helped and the hormones naturally rebalancing helped and talking about it helped. And even talking about an Instagram helped because people in their droves were like, oh my God, me too. And that just gave me permission that to feel how I was feeling and know that it was okay. And I just got better and better and better as time went on. And now it feels like it feels like a distant memory, but it's still, it's like opening up a wound, really. It's a wound that we, the reason we connected was because I suppose I had you on every month to talk about this. But I think what was a really healing experience as well was having you on a year later to show Mm -hmm. you how far you had come. And I know it's really painful for you to look back because I think you feel like a grief over not having had those beautiful few days that you feel like you should have because he's the little boy that you love but yeah I wonder because of your past did you anticipate at all that it would erupt within you again no I didn't and I know that might sound surprising but because I said like I just thought I had it so under control and I thought that I was just so self-aware um but I guess the physical change of having a baby and you know I'm a very I'm a highly sensitive person and I feel things greatly whether it's good or bad the physical adjustment of all those hormones I think really hit me hard and I don't think it would have happened to me necessarily in any other way was not just for childbirth and the significance of that I think is so monumental and I didn't realize that were you so when you were going through you were um you know, when you had to give your history at the hospital and you're going for your checkups and your appointments and you, I'm sure, let them know that you had this history of anxiety, that you were on medication. At any point, was anyone kind of cluing you in to be like, postnatally, there might be a reoccurrence? No, to be honest, absolutely not. And I did, I was really appreciative of them at the time when I was pregnant, checking in with me and saying, listen, like there's services there if you want to talk to someone. And I was like, I'm actually grand. Like I thought I'd be anxious in pregnancy. Now that I'm here, I'm fine. The only prep, the only being prepared that that I had was like trying to remember like how to wash the baby and how to put Mm. the baby in the cot with his feet at the bottom of the cot. And nothing about- That's why I ask, because I think that there is just such an absence. There's other- there all is, about just... baby care and absolutely nothing about you the one thing that your baby needs is a well mother so there was a f- there was a few things I think there was like a lack of support or even preempting that I might need support afterwards very much after giving birth it was just like how are your stitches doing that basic level stuff how's the baby is the baby putting on his birth weight and that was like they're the markers that people are looking for and that's all anyone cared about yeah even in even like obviously your friends mean well but even in text messages it was just like how's the baby how's he doing How, you know at le- well at least he's feeding well at least this at least that or whatever and I was like mm-hmm. it didn't exist in my my postpartum care um so there was probably a lack of support there a, la- a lack of support leading up to it and definitely a lack of support in the moments after and as we know from the questions we asked on Instagram how much the norm it is and how abnormal I, I felt it was to feel that way and then there's also so there's there's the the care in the system but then there's also what i'm seeing about early motherhood online which was always sanitized only the best bits and that's fine people only want to share the best bits and they only want to say it's amazing and, and maybe it is for them only amazing but i didn't really see any of the the broken bits the broken bits it wasn't normalized to the extent that i really i'm now so passionate that i feel like it should be And that we see it needs to be because of the extent of women that have felt it. And that's why I think 
so many people have connected with Jessica and her writing and her words. And it's not just about anxiety, but it's that combination that love and worry can exist at the same time. You know, deep, deep love for your baby and your children and your life and her. She's, you know, she's pregnant again with her third, like deeply desiring more while also having had really challenging experiences. They can all exist together. It's not that like, you had a really tough time so you're not cut out for this it's like you're having a really hard time and you need support through it and then you'll evolve and you know become a different person because I think that's what's missing in this kind of situation we expect ourselves to be who we were without giving ourselves the space to appreciate what has happened is monumental and how we'll react to it is unknown until you're in it I love him like so much that it it actually hurt like it hurts my heart like wants to burst I want to actually like digest his cheeks like I want to eat him like he's so cute that I just feel so sad when I look back and I feel like I let him down and I feel like I never want him to know how bad I was then because I don't want him to ever think it was anything to do with him but you'll raise him to understand that mental health is a thing that occurs and that it is not who the person is it is what is something it's something that is happening to the person at a particular time you know, that's, you know, he'll see your books. <laughs> yeah. He'll he'll be well-versed on what's going on with us and he'll be able to process that. And you'll be able to prepare him if one day he's about to become a father to understand what it might do for his partner or himself. Um, yeah. And I think it's important also to address. So we, we asked in our questions um, the times with which it kind of rose up in people. So of course your experience that you shared here was like directly postpartum. This is like, you know, hours days weeks after giving birth which of course isn't always how everyone feels um and i think that there is also something that needs to i think needs to be talked about which is like postpartum mental and physical health can extend past the two week or the six week checkup oh yeah you know your anxiety might elevate for reasons that have nothing to do with your postpartum hormones or your placenta or bringing baby home or anything like that and we'll talk about the polls and stuff later but I thought it was really interesting just to see that like this isn't just a post-birth issue this could be the longevity of lack of sleep or the judgmental comments that might occur later down the road or it might occur at weaning phase or it might occur at returning to work phase it is something that can be switched on at any point postpartum. I, I think about that kind of anxiety as just like general anxiety that's just like you're always postpartum from then on. Whereas when I talk about that initial time, like I, I call it postnatal anxiety because I feel like it's so linked to the physical shift. The, you've the just natal got. bit. The natal bit, the bit you've just gone through. Mm. And like I still, I mean, obviously I came out of that intensity. But that, at that point, like, I mean, I was like, struggling to get through the day. So that was anxiety that was really... In inhibiting my my yeah my just being able to put one foot in front of the other um but of course I mean I've I've come through that and then there's still I mean there was so many other anxieties along the way of being like oh my god this is so much harder than I thought it would be like why why am I finding this so hard or like you said the judgmental comments certainly have made me shake <laughs> physically at one time or another I think yeah anxiety it's such a feature of everyone's life like we all have a stress response it's just something that we can experience from time to time. I don't think anyone is impervious to it. You don't want to be impervious to it because your body is usually calling something to your attention to pay attention to something important. 
um, that maybe you've not been addressing. It wants you to hear it. So I tend to have a very positive relationship with anxiety these days where I feel like it's it's kind of got my back and it's going to help realign me if I go too far in a direction that's not serving me well. But I guess, yeah, the postnatal anxiety for me was like the natal part. So I listened to your episode today with Jessica um, and I, I, I thought it was just really interesting how a couple of the things that triggered her sound really familiar you know like the point where your husband is going back to work and mm. it you know that feeling of like it's all on you um yeah. and definitely the anxiety going into a night not knowing how sleep oh. would be and that really resonated with me it's like you know that evening because you've got the witching hour oh I know and that feeling of like you're really done with the day like you're really ready and fatigued and ready to go to bed and it is almost the beginning of the hardest part of your 24 hours is about Mm -hmm. to approach she shared some really interesting times where it really resonated with her and the things that she was doing to help support it was such a gorgeous episode of course if you want to listen to it in full go over to owning it and listen to it there but we do have a part of it here I've actually always had some level of anxiety but it wasn't until I experienced postpartum anxiety that I actually I guess after speaking with a counsellor as well sort of stepped back and kind of like looked at my life like a bird's eye view of my life and I also think as well like when you're a stay-at-home mom especially in those early days it kind of feels like there's there's no escape so like before I was keeping really busy I mean you're really busy when you're a stay-at-home mom too but it's it's different you're kind of like within four walls um there's not a lot of going out you spend some time ruminating, you're so tired. And I guess maybe before that, the difference was I would find ways to distract myself. Um, I, I wasn't dealing with it. Um, so I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, but I think that's how I guess I escaped dealing with it for so long. When you when you had your first baby, how, how many years ago was that? Four and a half years ago. And how soon into the newborn days did you feel like, mm, I'm not necessarily feeling what, the image that I was sold of what the newborn bubble would be like? Oh, I think it was probably, I experienced um, baby blues, which I'm sure many of us experience. And so in the beginning, I think I put it down to that. Um, I had a pretty traumatic birth with Harry. um, So I'm also attributing it to that as well. Of course. Um, and then we had a lot of trouble breastfeeding. So we couldn't breastfeed. It was painful. It was awful. Every time he woke, I would, the anxiety would creep in because I knew that I had to feed and it was like shards of glass. And I had seen like, you know, copious lactation consultants. I'd done everything I, I thought I was supposed to do. That was also a huge part um, of my anxiety as well. And so I think it was probably in the first, maybe after the first week, um, I started to just, I guess, progressively get worse and feel more lonely and just shut off. Um, it wasn't like it was like that all the time, but it just, yeah, it, I guess it just felt like there was a rain cloud there every day. And how did the anxiety manifest? Like, what were you feeling? And, and when did you know that it was anxiety you were dealing with, especially if it was something that you hadn't really had to confront before? I think like the fear of um, my husband leaving for work, like I was truly petrified and I the fear would set in uh, the night before. Um, I mean, I had trouble sleeping anyway because no one slept. 
Yeah. So that's kind of, that was just that pretty standard stuff there with um, babies. I think, yeah, I think it was mostly just the, the fear of leaving the house. Like, I mean, I did do it. I'd go for walks and stuff, but it just, I didn't feel like me. I didn't feel like the confident person that I once was. Like when people came over to visit me, I felt like I didn't know how to hold a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um I just felt like I was some somebody else. And I, I remember writing this piece once, like I'd gone and hung out with a group of friends. Um, and when I left, I just had so much anxiety. I was like, oh my God, like, did I say the wrong thing? I'm not witty anymore. Like I used to be witty. Pretty sure what I said was not funny. And like, it was just, I never used to be like that. I never used to worry like that. Um, it just shook me. I guess I just felt like a different person. And I think as well, like, when I first started scrolling social media, like, cause you mean like my homepage all of a sudden changed from what my friends were getting up to, to, you know, baby paraphernalia everywhere. And, you know, just everything became baby. Um, and it was consuming. And then I started following mummy bloggers and then I was like, Oh, I, I need this Pinterest perfect nursery. And I have to have mm-hmm. the wooden toys that match everything. And Oh my goodness, I need this can't afford it, but I need to get it. Um, otherwise I'm a terrible mother. And it just, it just this, like, I guess society's vision of what the perfect mother is and what you need to provide for your child and how things should look was just so consuming. Um, and then obviously when baby arrived and I was still looking at these feeds and I started to compare myself and it was just, it was really something I could have done without, but at the same time, social media is one of those, it also connects you to people. So it's like, it's really, it's really important to be careful what you consume, especially as a new mum. But you're just sitting there. I mean, if you're sitting there feeding, whether it's on the boob or on the bottle, like the, or the baby's napping on you, you're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling the whole time, passively absorbing all of this content that's getting targeted to you. And when you're in that kind of fragile headspace, what might be meant as inspiration just becomes something that you use to attack yourself with and shame yourself for not doing it how it should look. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the thing, like so many of these influencers and bloggers, they weren't putting anything out there to upset anybody, but it was my perception. Like it was me comparing myself against somebody like, you know, you compare your bad bits against all their good bits and you can never win. And I just, I found that I was doing that so often and it was just sending me into a downward spiral. When did you know that you needed to maybe get some help or, or address it or like vocalize it? Like, did you talk to your partner about it immediately or did you feel like you couldn't say it because it's supposed to be the happiest time of your life? Yeah, I think it was, it was probably that. I think it was around three months that I decided completely to stop pumping, stop doing anything like that and just go straight with formula. Um, cause that was the best decision mm-hmm. for both of us. And I had that like full support from my family for that. Um, but I still like, I still felt like it was a really hard decision. Like I, yeah. I cried making that decision because it wasn't easy. And I said to Drew, my husband, I was like, you know, I don't really know how to say this, but I think there's something wrong with me. I was like, I think I have postpartum anxiety. Like I wasn't sure if it was depression. I wasn't sure. I said, I just need to, I think I need to talk to someone. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like let's get you someone to talk to. And then I talked to my mom and they were both amazing um, and that's, yeah, that's when we booked me in to see a counselor, but over here, it took a good two months for me to talk wow. to someone. So yeah, it was a long wait. Um, and I think nowadays, gosh, it might be even longer, but it was good when the time came, I still needed to offload a lot of things. So I'm, I'm glad I did it. And what helped, like, what do you think helped put you back together again from that feeling of 
being lost at sea or lost from yourself? Gosh, I don't really know. I think, I think just talking about it, um, I think time, mm-hmm. definitely time. And it was, it was just baby steps. Like when I felt ready to do things, not because I felt I had to do them, like go out with friends or um, take Harry to a baby group that I didn't really want to go to. It was when I made the decision to do something because I actually felt like I wanted to do it. That was kind of like a breakthrough for me once I'd done it and I'd come home and I was like, oh, I just did that. And I actually feel good about it. Like these little wee building block achievements just slowly started to build me up again. And that made, yeah, that made a huge difference. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. took some polls and questions as always because we want to bring in as many voices into this as possible and to share all of the different experiences um especially because one of them that stood out for me was the result around do you think that the women that you're hanging out with feel this level of anxiety or are they feeling fine I thought the response to that was just so telling Okay, so I have the results here. The first question asked was, did you experience postpartum anxiety? Do you think it's more in favor of, yes, I did experience anxiety or no, I didn't? Oh, it has. Well, I hope hope people were honest enough to say that it was, that it was something they experienced. I hope so too. So 79% of said yes, it was something they experienced, 21% no. If yes, what would increase this anxiety during the day or certain milestone or pressure or people? So some of the responses we got these were be- really interesting nighttime yeah being, being left alone with my baby at home if things didn't go to plan out of schedule events having to be on my own with my baba being trapped in my head and not having another mum to speak to COVID first time mum yeah. so true loneliness and isolation living hours from anyone I know overwhelmed too many tabs open worrying about breastfeeding pressure to follow everyone else's doings people coming over baby crying loud music loud noise what if something happens to us? So like intrusive thoughts comes up again and again yeah. for people. Baby coming over was one for me. And that might seem so like, but that's a lovely thing that babes like, you know, someone's coming over and that's something to look forward to. And how can that feel like a threat? For some reason inside me, that triggered anxiety. So much about the nighttime. Nighttime coming was so anxiety inducing. Feeling helpless and alone when the other half was at work. It's just the isolation of it, really, I think, is, is can make people, you just feel, I remember for the first few nights, like myself and Barry would both get up out of the bed. Every time he had a blue mark on his little nappy, Caitlin, not Barry, we were like, <laughs> we, have to, we have to change it. And we both got up because I was like, I, actually, I just, I need your moral support in the like wee hours of the morning. I need us both to know that we're here together. 
Um, being a first time mom without my mom around due to COVID, I felt like I had no idea what I was doing when baby slept and I had time to rest, but I couldn't. Oh, that was a huge yeah, thing for I me. Everyone switch said, off. You'll nap when the baby naps. No. no, I could not just switch off. I was watching him like a hawk, afraid something would happen to him. Yeah, that was, that was, there was a lot of anxiety for me at that time as well. When they'd go down for naps and you're supposed to just, now is your time. That was, that was when my mind would go crazy. But I have to say, parts of the isolation, I, I, it calmed me actually when no one else was in the house, just me and the baby. I felt more anxiety. Now I had my first before the pandemic. I felt more anxiety when I had to show up somewhere at a certain time with my bag fully stocked, with all the right snacks, with all the right nappies, with the right bib, the baby looking good, me looking good, not be late. Like the pressure to everything to just happen on schedule and for it to be like to to show that you knew what you were doing in yeah. a like a more public arena that's when I would love putting the key back in the front door and stepping inside and just me and baby again that is actually something that calmed me it's actually yeah I think it's really true I think I I wanted Barry around but I didn't really want anyone else around and um, mm-hmm. a really interesting response here is people asking me what's wrong or is she okay when she gets fussy or cries and that would definitely be a thing with yeah. having people over and you feel like their crying reflects on you then that you and somehow it's your you know you've done something yeah. wrong as a mother um but also whereas, you're like oh I'm sorry I don't know like I didn't get the manual on which cry is what in those early days you don't know and there's such expectation for you to feel like oh well how do I know what I'm supposed to fix here especially like you know it definitely would have been a conversation that me and my partner would have had where he'd look to me to know what to do. And I'd look back being like, sorry, I, I, I didn't get that chapter. Um, anxiety due to years of infertility and waiting for it all to go wrong mixed with COVID fears. Like this is another thing, you know, I think infertility um, from speaking to my friends who've experienced it, the anxiety that goes along with that is enormous. And then you get your baby, hopefully, um and then when the baby's there you feel like oh my god we have to just be so grateful and love every moment to be grateful for every second but of course the anxieties can still be present like at that point too and then there's a huge amount of like personal you know shaming yourself for feeling anxious when this is what you wanted and this is what you fought so hard for but they can again like both feelings can exist if you've been living in chronic anxiety for so long about fertility the arrival of your baby doesn't necessarily tell your system that it's safe like it takes a long time for your body to re-regulate after that point. What helped to ease your postpartum anxiety? Reassurance that I wasn't the only one, getting rest, avoiding stimulants, exercise therapy, prioritizing sleep, time to build confidence, therapy session to deal with traumatic birth, Caroline's Matrescence podcast. You're welcome. Seeing a therapist, crying, crying. Yeah, lots of crying because crying is actually a really, really powerful stress reducer. I mean, it just takes the stress hormones out of your body and people try so hard to, to not cry. And if your body is telling you to cry, you've got to go for it. Um, finding a crash and going back to work needed some more, needed some mom free time, sleep and family support system, talking to my mom and my sister, supportive partner, following people on Instagram that share real life journeys in similar situations as me at the time, 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 mindset training. As I grew into my new identity as a mother, as we grew into new routines, just, yeah, just time moving on. was just, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily have to do anything, but just knowing that your body just sort of recalibrates after a while, taking it day by day, husband and family support, talking to my best friend, who's also a first time mom and a few months ahead of me, fresh air, listening to Caroline for an anxiety podcast and establishing boundaries, a bit of self-promotion I'm doing there. 
listening to every mom podcast and realizing it's normal getting fresh air you spoke about it before but that self-compassion piece like when I hear them all saying time 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 I feel like that should be prescribed at the beginning you know that Mm -hmm. you're not going to get it on day one you're not going to know what you're doing on day one you're not going to feel okay on day one and you're not supposed to it's okay for it to take time to learn how to do this because I feel like if we knew that when we're in those moments we would just remember that like it's not not normal to feel really shook by the experience you have just like a human has left your body you are now responsible for its total care and survival at a point in time where you are also the most exhausted and wrecked and it is the thing that you love most in the world so the stakes are high so if you just knew give yourself time don't expect so much of yourself from the beginning definitely if I knew that back five almost five years ago I would have enjoyed it so much more and I wish to God I could go back five years and do it all over again with this foresight and enjoy it more me too and I think like I completely agree had I had any awareness of how normal and okay this was I wouldn't have suffered anywhere near to the extent that I did because I would have been much kinder to myself and much more compassionate and much more patient with myself okay so did you expect to feel such levels of postpartum anxiety this is really staggering 86 percent no that's the thing we're not told we're not told to expect it we're told to expect heartburn and swollen ankles and stretch marks we're not told to expect this really natural normal response to the fact that you are now a parent why I don't know the whole thing of it's the most natural thing in the world that kind of stuff instead of saying like you know you you don't know what you're doing but the greatest thing on earth is in your hands and you have to keep it safe like that's that's so anxiety inducing we need to hear the full spectrum of what may occur Like whether it is that, you know, I can't relax when the baby's napping because I'm afraid of sleep or um, I don't really like the feeling of being left alone. Like, I think that there's gradients in all of this. And it, I think all we hear about is maybe the extreme cases or that everything is so natural and bliss. And there is just like this whole middle ground Mm. that you don't anticipate. And then when you're in it, you don't know how to grade yourself. You don't know. You're like, am I at level three anxiety or am I at level 17? Because I don't know what the woman across the road is feeling. I think everybody else is doing fine. Did you voice your anxiety? 42% said hid it all and pretended to be grand. And that's only going to make it so much worse and exacerbated to such an extent because you're resisting what is. You're creating more tension by trying to but I can understand I I definitely did that definitely did that I can completely understand that oh I understand it but it's just really I understand why it's a coping mechanism but it's just it's such an unhealthy coping mechanism in the grand scheme of things because it just prolongs our experience of it because we don't feel safe enough to talk about it yeah but there was too much pressure to make it look like I was in control and everything was good were you an anxious person before kids? So 17% said, yes, anxiety impacted me strongly. 24% just would say that they're like a worrier. 
37% in situations like exams or interviews and 21% no, it never was never a factor of their life. I think that's an important one because like you shouldn't assume just because it was part of your past, it will be part of your postnatal time, you know, that it doesn't have, you don't have to be like, you know, have had a clinical experience with anxiety for it now to appear. Oh yeah. And I think, I mean, it's the same with like COVID, like the amount of people I spoke to who had never felt a flutter of anxiety before and then COVID came along and they're like, hold on, what is this? You know, it's such a, it's such a huge change. Um, Do you assume other mothers you hang out with feel confident and fine or anxious as well? 68% say they assume other other mothers that they hang out with feel confident and fine like 68 percent assume that everybody else is doing fine Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that aren't which is higher than the 46 percent that aren't talking about it which is interesting Mm. but yeah i think there is this illusion that everyone else has it under control and maybe you are the only person who is feeling this I certainly felt that like when I would go out for walks and you'd see people pushing prams and they look like they're just such a good stride and you know they're listening to me smiling and they've got the cup of coffee and I was like oh my god how mm-hmm. could I how could I extrapolate from that passing person that they have everything figured out and I don't you didn't see the shit show that was the two hours of trying to get outside the house so what needs to happen it's such a tricky thing because like I'm so willing to share things and for me it's a coping mechanism and for me it, it normalizes things but lots of people want to keep their lives privately. So they only go on to Instagram and share the best bits. And then that's their prerogative, you know. But I would love to see more in, in on social media and in, in mainstream media. I would love to see more um, real realness in the early motherhood and in, in how it's portrayed. I'd love to see more realness in movies and how it's portrayed. Um, and I would really, I mean, above all of that, how crucial it is to build in a plan a postpartum plan that's going to help safeguard someone's mental health in the aftermath and beyond um to help them understand what can happen this the significance of what's happening at a biological level at a psychological level as well the enormity of what you're going through um even though people do it you know and one is born every minute or whatever it doesn't make it any less significant for you and some real proper strategies put in place um in your postpartum care um and it not being like those checkups afterwards not being so obviously the baby's so important like you need to tick off those boxes but just make the appointment like 20 minutes longer and check in with the the mother as well I remember I was at my final checkup and um she was looking down at the form I wasn't even near her I was like over the other side of the room redressing the baby after being weighed and stuff and she was looking down the form and she was like, and uh, you don't have any of that um, anxiety stuff. Sure, you don't. No. And she had ticked before I'd even looked up and responded. And oh, my God, that's that's, you know, that's an example of how it is being dealt with in the community. I think that there is definitely a place in more mainstream media for this to be normalized. Um, I, I don't feel like it needs to be put on to the individual person to have to like tell the globe via a platform that they're having a shit day if they're having a shit day and they want to keep that private they should absolutely do that but they should also feel safe enough to tell their friends to tell their partner to tell their inner circle so that that you know 
I want to see that 68% assuming that everybody else is fine. I want to see that to come back down to represent the real figure of how many people are experiencing anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's important. I think those real connection pieces within your friend group and definitely there needs to be a program of preparation when you are going through your antenatal classes and courses before baby comes. I think part of the reason people feel it so intensely is because they were not expecting it. But actually, if they did experience it with some anticipation, they'd know what it was straight away and they'd be able to process it and probably let it go. They are the things I feel like would make a massive difference. And I think there is such a responsibility all the way through those checkups for it to be about the mother and the baby during pregnancy, preparation for birth and what is going to happen to your lives after birth but for all those people listening who didn't have that utopian infrastructure in place what can we say to help like you say help them and myself included let go a little bit of the fact that maybe we didn't have the picture perfect beginning or middle or you know maybe at the moment maybe we're feeling really anxious the moment in our roles as mothers I think and uh, we've spoken about this. I think if someone has had a really deep, painful experience, as you have described, and you know, you're know you heading towards two-year mark, I still think you've loads to process around mm-hmm. that time for you to really heal yourself around that and to be able to move forward without any of that guilt. So I think that like, if there is any sort of mental health trauma that occurred, during in for like all the way infertility in pregnancy a traumatic birth or a traumatic experience postnatally I absolutely I have seen the effects through the work that I've done on every mum of you know trauma counsellors and how they can really reprogram you to process those experiences and to heal from them and to move forward you deserve to heal from that And I think if you're going through something now, which was more like how I was feeling, which was just a very always on, switched on alertness, I think feel safe to give yourself the time and feel safe that you don't have to be so performative. You don't have to make it look like it's easy all the time. You can actually accept the fact that it's really challenging and you're in love. You are absolutely beyond the depths of anything you have experienced before in love. And you also don't have a notion what you're doing. And that's scary. (laughs) So we wrap it up? Yes. Okay, talk to you next. I'm going to need a stiff drink after that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whiskey night here. (laughs) Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Stretch Marks Podcast on Instagram so you can see what we'll be discussing next and get involved with the questions in the polls or share what you'd like us to talk about next. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and do share the love for Stretch Marks. It really helps us grow this community and it means the world to us as well. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.